Today's program was brought to you by Roth, Wisconsin, makers of the world's best cheese and pioneers in the U.S. artisan cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. So this is Polly Shore. I'm here in, is it Bushwick? Bushwick, and we're here at Roberto's. And Roberta's, and we're at, on Heritage Radio. We're talking about food. We're talking about um, you know big glasses, and we're talking about all the man buns. And you're listening to the morning after. Episode 199 of The Morning After. I am your host, Sari Kamen. I am here in studio with Jessica Coslow. She is the chef and owner of Squirrel in LA. Hi, Jessica. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for having Welcome me. Welcome back to Brooklyn. <laughs> Feels good. Right? It's real good. It's yeah. kind of like an, it's very LA-y out today though. Yeah, you know, it was hot yesterday and now it's kind of chilly today. I'm taking it all in. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of terrifying when it's like 80 degrees in October yeah. or November, but yeah. you know, we'll let it ride. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about. Your cookbook just came out. Squirrel is, it's. I mean, it's not blowing up. It's been blown up. <laughs> <laughs> it's through the roof. Um, first, we're, we're going to do a little food news before we get into it all. Uh, just to kind of recap what's been going on in the week. Ooh, this is like an awkward story. Neiman Marcus apparently has been advertising that they will sell you collard greens for $81. No. I know, That's right? That's so insane. It's so insane, yeah. What so is they, it coming? I, I want to know what the vessel is. Is it um, China? It's not. You're not <laughs> paying for the China. You're paying for the labor of someone to, to prepare co- collard greens with, quote, just the right amount of spices and bacon. I know I'm it's just, it is it's actually <laughs> offensive and someone and some of the tweets have been have been really remarkable some of the tweets let's but see. I also like that collard greens was the thing they were like a tweet just about collard greens that yeah I know <laughs> but it is it is kind of outrageous some of the, I mean some of the tweets are like Girl, my mama would come down from heaven and smack me if I put those on my table and said they were collards. Or like, WTF, who's going to order some damn greens from Neiman Marcus? Eighty-one fifty, Insanity. It is. It is. It is insanity. And I hope Neiman Marcus has realized that at this point. Um, all right. Next, a customer sued Popeyes for serving his fried chicken with a spork. Now, I know you weren't here last week on the show, but we had a we had a news story that a customer sued Kentucky Fried Chicken for not filling their bucket full of fried chicken so that it was like overflowing in the picture. So yeah, this week Popeyes is going down and this customer was very angry because apparently he was not able to cut his fried chicken with a spork. I, I have no comment. Yeah, I know. I someone, really don't either. Someone help to feed this man. <laughs> I wish him. I wish him all the best. Yeah. I hope he finds the proper utensils in life, and uh, that he's able to eat fried chicken moving forward. And another guy um, was was in the midst of a police chase in a car, but he had to stop at an In and Out Burger in the middle of the police chase. Now, it's a good choice. Yeah. Though. So that's you know, what I was going to ask. I'm not from LA. Is it really worth it? Is it that good? <laughs> if you were being chased by cops, would you be like, ah, in and out it's calling me. It's right there. The line for in and out is so long, you know. It's not a wise choice. Yeah, it's not the wisest. It's an understandable choice, but yeah, maybe not the best. 
All right, that's our food news. <laughs> Short and food sweet. News. It's very important. I'm glad we got to deliver <laughs> it to the people. Stay informed. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Jessica Coslow. Have you tasted the world's best cheese? Grand Cru Sourchois is the 2016 World Cheese Champion. Our partners at Roth, Wisconsin make this gorgeous Alpine-style cheese in the rolling hills of Greene County, Wisconsin. Grand Cru Sourchois is produced by hand in Swiss copper vats and finished by aging on spruce planks. The quality milk and careful craftsmanship bring out the award-winning light floral notes, nutty undertones, a hint of fruitiness, and a mellow finish. Perfect with Riesling and Muscat, Grand Cru Sourchois is a guaranteed hit for any occasion. Check out their other offerings at RothCheese.com. You'll discover Buttermilk Blue and their newest release, Prairie Sunset, the golden-hued love child of Mimolette and Gouda. You'll also find recipes like the Raclette Reuben and Tomato Tartlets. Everything you need to know about the world's best cheese is at RothCheese.com. And we're back. We're listening to The Morning After on Heritage Radio Network. I am in the studio with Jessica Coslow. She is the chef and owner of Squirrel in L.A. And she is also the author of the new cookbook, Everything I Want to Eat and the New California Cooking. Hi, Jessica. Hello again. Hello. Hello, hello. (laughs) Nice to be here. It is so good to have you. Um, It's very exciting. Your cookbook just came out. It's so nice. It's so beautiful and everything is delicious and it's everything that I want to eat and make, hopefully. Yes. Or, or we, stare we at. have that in common. <laughs> um, squirrel, squirrel is like in the spotlight and in a lot of different ways right now. And I think it's because, you know, as from a, from a New York perspective, squirrel kind of embodies everything about LA that like New Yorkers love and envy Mm. and are like kind of jealous. And it has like none of the things that we don't like (laughs) about LA. And I know that you've lived in New York before. So I'm imagining that's like very purposeful. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's definitely a sense of you know, we're, we're here at Roberta's right now, which has really evolved over time. And, and you feel like how it's been built, honestly, it's not like this grand gesture, although it is like large in space now. And I think that squirrel has that same kind of like rough and tumble feel to it. Um, but behind that rough and tumble is some really technically delicious everyday food. Um, and so it does, it, f- it feels honest in a way that like New York or some places in Paris or Melbourne feel. And um, it was something that was really kind of lacking in Los Angeles. And I think LA has the potential with so many like strip malls and small spaces to come into its own and, and shine like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there was just a, a really beautiful article in Eater that Marion Bull wrote, and she talked a lot about kind of like the fetishization. Did I say that in mm-hmm. a weird way? Mm-hmm. Fetishization. <laughs> Five times fast. <laughs> yes. Um, there's, you know, it's, a, it's an Instagram phenomenon. The ricotta toast is the famed ricotta toast, just because I think it's been photographed so much. How, what does that feel like from your perspective to know that it's, I don't know, there's this like obsession? <sighs> It's like a long sigh and pause. You know, you don't you don't start doing these things because you feel like they're going to be phenomenons. You you do them because they feel right and honest to you or for me, and to to have it resonate with people, not only customers but to see it on menus throughout the U.S. I've seen a lot of people starting to put ricotta toast on their menu. I've seen um, versions of the sorrel pesto bowl, crispy rice salad. Having that happen is is actually really remarkable to mm-hmm. know that you can um, kind of help to define or it defines taste. So it's exciting. It also makes me want to do more, you know, like it, I, as an artist, as as someone who's like continuously trying to like develop my own perspective and palette, I'm always looking to kind of define new things that are craveable and um, can be those new ricotta toasts, I guess. Yeah. Does it make you kind of want to distance yourself? No, I feel like, you know, it's, it's like a great album where, uh, like smashing pumpkins, 1979, like I'll be, I'll be playing those songs forever. Um, and now I just need to add, you know, more, more albums to, to yeah. That. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely certain, like, workhorses of the squirrel menu that people know, the ricotta toast, mm-hmm. the sorrel pesto bowl, and the avocado toast, which you actually mentioned to me that avocados, you, you've taken them off the menu. Yeah, I am. That's, um, that's a bold move. It was a bold move. You know, we sell so much avocado. It's like a, it, it really is, there's an insatiable appetite for avocados in California and probably in the U.S. and world in general. And... Um, but right now they're not in season. Um, and, uh, there were just some labor strikes in Mexico and there are some economic, uh, political and, um, uh, I guess geographical, uh, issues with, with avocados. Um, a lot of them are owned by cartels. Uh, there are a lot of displacement of, uh, natural land being turned into avocado farms. Um, and so not really understanding where the sourcing is coming from right now because there's it's not in season, I, I made the jump to take it off the menu. And it's interesting because it's not just avocado toast. It's um, five, six other dishes as well mm-hmm. that have, you know, um, been uh, that have this, you know, this food item taken off of the dish and but it also breeds creativity which is the most exciting part you know if you have this dish and you know it sells you're going to keep it on but once you have to take it off you have to figure out how to make something new and special and that's the exciting part yeah and and your book is titled everything you want to eat in the new California cooking and a lot has been said on what California cuisine is or what it isn't and you know I think one of the things that I think of immediately is avocado. So it's like, all right, well, if it's not that anymore, what is it? I mean, what is it to you today? Mm, what do you mean? Like, what is California cuisine? Um, yeah, I, I, California cuisine. I mean, Marion Bull talked about how 
the food at Squirrel can be, it's like healthy-ish. It's like athleisure. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are like these vibrant health notes to it, but it's also satisfying. So I think that that's part of the equation is um, healthy food, but it also can be a little naughty. Um, <laughs> but it's based on ingredient for sure, uh, which is something that Alice Waters has championed for you know decades um but that ingredient can be used in different ways to layer flavor so that's what i see is california cooking yeah i just it's funny i i was reading you know so many things about squirrel recently and i kept stumbling across like these these paradox descriptions (laughs) and i think you know one of the things that marion said is like it's it's healthy food but not health food or there's an unfussy fussiness or it's beautiful, but casual. Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks to this, um, this something, something a little bit larger. That's part of a a zeitgeist that seems to be happening in California cuisine right now. And I think, um, squirrel embodies it. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, you know, in all the writing, every single time someone is talking about squirrel, it's like, they're also talking about this sort of like larger movement. And I guess the question is like, do you see squirrel as, um, being a catalyst to like a movement that's happening right now, or just sort of like dropping in to this, this sweet spot, like space and time where California cuisine is like truly changing. It's probably a little bit of both, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when, when I opened uh, squirrel, there wasn't really like a neighborhood spot that was community centered that people could go and have like a delicious meal during the day, especially on the east side. And on the west side of Los Angeles, there's Justa, which is a very like grand, special, delicious place that also, if you look at the food there, is, um, you know, you go in and you're, you have that same feeling of like, oh, there's health, there's like yogurt and berries. But, you know, their bakery section is huge yeah. and, and the portions are large. And it's, um, I guess now I feel as if, good restaurants, the ones that I appreciate, I guess, and, um, and squirrel as well, we provide you with a meal and that meal is flavorful, delicious, and hopefully satisfying that will get you through the day. Yeah. I just want to back up a little bit just to talk about you, Jessica, cause you have such an interesting path where you've had <laughs> such a, you were a figure skater it's true. growing yeah. up and you were a producer at one point of here American York, Idol. Yeah. yeah when you lived here what what was the thing that actually got you on the path you are today to become a, a chef um I actually I went to grad school in DC and moved to Atlanta after grad school and um this was 2005 and I I ate a, a meal at Bacchanalia, which is a very very special restaurant in Atlanta and I wrote the chef uh an email and um, asked her for a job. What and, was it about the meal that was you so know, compelling? I have a sweet tooth and the pastry <laughs> chef at the time, uh, who's still there, her name's Carla, and she's she just has this very wonderful nuance in which like her pastries aren't too sweet and they're not um, too savory. Um, and it blew me away. And it also, it was kind of one of these first restaurants where the kitchen was open and as a guest uh, staring into that kitchen and seeing like the the dance and crescendo of service i i was i wanted it more i had always wanted to be a cook to be honest but at at that point it it resonated with me in a way that i couldn't deny and um she hired me so i worked in atlanta for some years and then moved to new york um 
out of out of a little bit of fear of um, the industry's heart, you know, to to balance it out and uh, to make a living. And it it took a little bit of time for me to realize, like, okay, that's what I want to do. I had to walk away from the industry to know that that's really what I wanted. It was like a an ex boyfriend that just. Uh, wouldn't stop calling, and I realized it was uh, <laughs> it was it was love, you know. Yeah, well, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you started Squirrel, it was just this little jam making operation. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you ever miss that? Like just the very stripped down simplicity of just making jam. You know, it's that I miss when I started Squirrel. It was me for a long time, and then one other employee. And what I I miss uh, the. Sometimes I miss the pace, you know, there was like an elegance to the day. It wasn't as uh, precious to like just hustle every second. But also there was this time where it could be a quiet or, you know, Sonic Youth could be playing and we could just explore, explore flavor. And uh, as a chef who owns a restaurant and is opening another, the thing is as as you grow, like your time and that focused time becomes harder to to find for yourself. So that's the thing I miss most about it. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned you're opening another mm. restaurant, I would love to hear about the plans, <laughs> how they're going. <laughs> it's good. You know, we're we're um, we're just breaking ground next month. It should be open in huh, I hope April May. Um, it's a special restaurant on the west side of town, which is sadly not close to Squirrel, but um, right off of the one train line uh, that is connecting downtown Los Angeles to the water. Um, and that's a huge deal for L.A. In I didn't New York, even know that, I that know. Was, there was a train. Yeah, in New York, it's that like, what? Deal. But in L.A., there's uh, the Expo line, and it runs on a line that um, used to be, it was started in the 18... 18- 1800s, but now it's actually an active train, and um, the restaurant itself is like a, it's a California restaurant, but it is about diaspora, so it's about kind of like Jewish food that spreads all over the world, from Eastern Europe to Israel to Georgia to, you know, and how how that food kind of um, evolves in each location. Yeah, there's a lot of that happening right now. It seems like um, it's just it's a very potent time for chefs to kind of get in touch with their own heritage and sort of explore that journey, like through the lens of seasonality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or, you know, like Gerardo um, Gonzalez has a new restaurant opening in New York that everyone's very excited about, including myself. And it's called Lalo. He was a chef at El Rey. And yeah, he's been he, on the show. He, oh, yeah. OK. He's been on the show, but he's special. He's a, he's special, special. He's a special creature. And um, the thing about him, you know, he has dug into like who he is and where he comes from. And that restaurant is is really going to be a representation of that. And I think that that's when you find the most delicious places when you can feel that it's just honest. It is exactly who they are, what they believe in, the ethos through and through. So that's those are the kind of restaurants that I enjoy. And, and I think that the new restaurant for us will embody that. Yeah, it's nice because it's so personal. Yeah. And I think what's cool about Squirrel is like you just cook the food that, you know, like your, your book says, it's the food that you want to eat. Yeah. I mean, it's and we close at four. So it's really like 
made for daytime. And I think the the new spot will kind of parlay into um, a grander nighttime experience. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd love to talk about your book because it's, it's so much fun. It has such a good sense of humor about <laughs> itself. Yeah, good. And there, there's like really hilarious things. But I think what struck me the most is like there's these really cool portraits of people Mm -hmm. throughout the book and it just made me realize like reading it is that squirrel is not it's not a restaurant so much as it is a community Mm -hmm. what was the idea behind including like who are these people (laughs) that's great yeah i mean these are these are real faces and and uh yeah they're the faces of squirrel and it's some of them are chefs but some of them are our customers and um it you know we take the food as seriously as we take the care of the staff and as the same thing goes for the people that come and breathe in the restaurant. And, um, so it was really important to kind of share the identity of, of the place. Mm-hmm. I think right away there's, you know, there's a section about how to properly cook eggs. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I just like breathe the sigh of relief. And I was like, finally, someone can tell me how to cook eggs. <laughs> Cause it's like this little secret where you're like, ah, oh, it's like a, yeah, it's not that intuitive, it and no one really breaks it down for you. I mean, that part of the book feels very Richard Richard Olney, um, Good Cook, Time Life series. Um, he has a book <laughs> called Eggs, and um, it's it really is an homage to him um, and Jacques Pepin. Mm-hmm. But it, what's funny is, you know, I get the gamut of like this book is really challenging and also can be really easy. And I think that if, even if you start with something as simple as eggs, it, it's a really nice parlay into the the rest of the book. And, you know, the 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 way that it's written is is a conversation between me and basically the reader saying, if if you don't do it right, it's cool. You know? <laughs> You're going to enjoy it. You enjoy this ride. So the eggs are um it's it's a nice little nod to uh, how to cook eggs well. Yeah, I guess. and like no matter what happens, as you as you cook the recipes, it's like you got to have the basics, and then mm-hmm. from there you can kind of just play. Yeah, and I think that is the good thing that's peppered throughout the book is uh, a lot of different tricks and techniques, and maybe you use them, maybe you don't, but at least you can arm yourself with the techniques for when when you're ready to yeah. to combat them. I have to ask because there's like this very absurdist part of the cookbook. Oh, I think you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. In the middle of the book, there's a not, I mean, not to spoil it for, for people who are going to be getting it, but I mean, it's fine. You'll see. There's a part where Jessica describes becoming a juvenile delinquent <laughs> and it's like, it's very tongue in cheek, I think. <laughs> yeah. The, the writer is Mike Krikorian, who is uh, Nancy Silverton's partner oh. <clears throat> and he is a crime r- reporter in Los Angeles. And yeah, he, cause it reads like it's real. Yeah. I've had people be like, I checked out that link. I totally and, checked out that and link. And it went nowhere. And yep. I'm like, that's, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, so Mike Krikorian, he writes for the Times. He writes about the crime beat in Los Angeles. But he also, because he's with Nancy Silverton, writes uh, like really humorous food crime pieces, like the um, loaded baked potato that 
uh, like was too was so good it was bad. And so I asked him Food to crime. Yeah, Who knew? Yeah, it's a whole thing. That's cool. Um, so because of that, I asked him to to write a story, and he did. And it was it's a charming. It's thing. really hilarious. I, I'm I'm happy to know that you weren't actually arrested in your youth and locked up. My best friend from high school, she was like, I never knew that about you. Was it because I was at Swiss semester? And I was like, Manali, it wasn't real. It was a joke. It did take yeah. me a minute. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I forget which article it was. It might have been the one from Eater, but I'm not sure. But you talked about, I guess, like the, the current climate in California and how it's a, a dry climate going going forth. And it's sort of like touching upon, you know, the issue with avocados and just being really kind of sensitive to what's appropriate to be using as an ingredient and kind of like looking at what I think this is your quote, like, what is our land really able to provide mm. us and what types of food can grow in a dry climate? And I just, you know, as, as far as like the new restaurant opening up and like looking ahead, like what, what are you excited about in terms of like the challenges of cooking in a new, like a potentially new California climate? Yeah. You know, it's more based on Southern California than Northern. Yes. Northern feels so lush, you know, you yeah. go up and you're like, there's trees. And uh, it's very, I, I've, you know, it's a desert in a lot of ways in, in Los Angeles. Um, you know, along with the, the restaurant, we have a two and a half acre new restaurant. We have a two and a half acre farm in Malibu with, um, a lab on the site, but it's being planted. Uh, it's a drought tolerant planted farm where we're growing things that I really haven't played with a lot before, like carob, you know, we're going to be, taking carob and turning that into syrup and also grinding it and using it in, in applications. And I love carob. It's, I, it gets I know. such a bad rap. I, yeah. I mean, it's like that, he- but I kind of like the feel poor like man's chocolate, but it's yeah, really good. I kind of feel like it's like that health food store, like is kind of back, you know, like the idea, yeah. some people really hate carob, but, um, it does remind me of my youth a lot. It's like sprouts and tuna fish was like a youth thing. And like carob chips also i think know? i live on carob covered almonds in in college just snack <laughs> on those it was like not good for you but you kind of could justify it yeah um so I, that is what i'm excited about again it's like these challenges breed opportunity mm-hmm. to be creative and to develop new ways to cook and to think about your own cooking so um I, you know i'm looking forward to I guess the thing is, like, we don't use a lot of arugula at our restaurant because it's actually takes quite a lot of water to to grow. Um, and so we found other things to to grow uh, to use, like um, like bok choy uh, and like heartier greens. Um, and that has been interesting for us. Uh, and I think it'll be something that we continue to do. Yeah. Well, I love I love how optimistic you are. Like when there are challenges, it just becomes this new cool opportunity to yeah. to explore and to play. This has been wonderful. We're not going anywhere, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with the morning after quiz. Oh. <laughs> Henry, oh, I don't know what you want me to be. You turn away from anything you don't want to see. And you're listening to The Morning After on Heritage Radio. 
I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and I've been talking with the lovely Jessica Coslow from Squirrel in L.A. And now, Jessica, it is time for the morning after quiz, which is, like I mentioned to you, the, the least significant quiz you'll ever take. <laughs> um, so it's going to be three questions. Each question has three potential answers, multiple choice. So your restaurant is Squirrel, which you know, you know a lot about. But what do you know about Rocky the Squirrel from Rocky and Bullwinkle? Probably not that much. Okay, well, that was rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> we will find out. That's today's morning after quiz. It's Rocky the Squirrel from Rocky and Bullwinkle. So first question, what was Rocky's superpower? A, he could glide, hover, and carry objects through the air. B, he had superhuman strength. Or C, the ability to remember every single thing he ever ate. A. Yes. He was a flying squirrel. He was a flying squirrel. Yes. You told me it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that bad. Okay. Good job. Second question. Rocky and Bullwinkle live in the town of Frostbite Falls, Minnesota. Which number was not given as the town's population over the course of the series? Oh, my God. You can't Google this. I'm not Googling it. Was it A, 31.5, B, 4,001, or C, 82? <laughs> I'm chewing pizza. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's brain fuel. Oh no. See? Yeah. Really? Yes. <laughs> Apparently over different ep- different episodes throughout the course of the series, they stated the town's population as both 31.5 and both 4001 and also lots of other numbers like 28 That's 29. Great. It is so great. Okay, so this is true. A newspaper in Albuquerque ran an actual obituary for Rocky the Squirrel. Hmm. In 2011. I know. This is really... I saw it. And uh, stating he died at the age of 52. (laughs) So sad. What was the cause of his death? A, he collided with a power line and ignited a small fire. so mean. B, he choked on an acorn during dinner. Or C, he flew into a flock of Canadian geese. (laughs) Like Sully. Like Sully. (laughs) B? No, oh. he didn't choke on an acorn. He he had a flying accident. He collided into a power line. God, that's so dark. It is really dark, that's... and I don't know why this obituary was printed, but yeah, there was this whole thing about how he started a fire in this laboratory in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It didn't go into the grisly details, but, but one can only imagine. Well, you know, you did a really good job. <laughs> Thanks. You got two out of three, so... So you should feel pretty good yeah, about I that. Feel, I feel good about that. Yeah. You knew a lot more about Rocky the Squirrel <laughs> as well as Squirrel, your restaurant. <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much for coming on to the morning after. It was a pleasure to have you. Your cookbook is out wherever fine books are sold. It is. We'll look forward to your new restaurant, yet unnamed. <laughs> Still unnamed. If anyone has ideas, can you email me? Info at squirrella.com. Oh, God. You don't know what you're asking, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Asking for, I'm, sure that's I'm good, asking for help. I'm good, asking, good like, fodder for the yeah, line, right? Exactly. People in line waiting for food at Squirrel. Oh. You can like, just put them to work. Yeah. Start brainstorming. That's so interesting. I like that. <laughs> Thank you for letting me come on the show today. And I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.